body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. I'm Erin Davis, and welcome to Catch My Drift, as we wrap up a four-part interview with truly one of the brightest nightlights in the field of pediatric and family sleep, because they're so closely tied together. Made possible by Envy Pillow, my sleeping beauty for over 20 years. The Canadian-designed copper-infused Envy Pillow aligns your spine and neck and prevents those lines that sleeping on our face brings. ENVYPillow.com Dr. Jody Mindell is a world-renowned expert in her field and has shared her wisdom many times over, including in the now fourth edition of her 2005 Baby Sleep Bible, Sleeping Through the Night. Doctor, I love the saying that sleep begets sleep, and I think we all forget that because as adults, if we go to bed at 2 a.m., hopefully we're going to sleep if there's not a baby in the house until, you know, 10 or 11 and make up those eight or nine hours. But with babies, it doesn't work that way. And we found this with a six-year-old in our lives. If we keep him up till, you know, half an hour past his bedtime to finish that movie, we go, oh, great, we're going to get an extra half hour in the morning. Nope, doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There is something about wake time that is so biologically driven. What time a child wakes up in the morning is very hard to shift, and they don't just shift later. Going to bed an hour later or two hours later, they don't sleep in an hour later, um, which is unfortunate. We also... um, Know that sometimes if your child is having a difficult time sleeping, is moving bedtime earlier, which sounds so counterintuitive, but moving it earlier often helps because they don't have that second wind and that, you know, being overtired. So, you know, an overtired child is running, you know, parents will say to me, look at him, he's running around the room at nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, no, that is tired. That's what tired is, is if you get them to bed at 7.30, they won't have that second wind. They'll fall asleep faster, actually, and they'll sleep longer. That is an experiment I'd like to take on. That's pretty good because, I mean, even as adults, we find this, right? We're just exhausted at 9, and then at 10.30, after watching something on Netflix, we're like, oh, this is good. Let's watch another one, right? Exactly. Like if you don't hit that window when you're really tired and your body is ready to go to sleep, you sort of come out of it. So some parents will try to keep their child up later if they're struggling with sleep. They'll be like, you know, I'm going to keep them up an hour later and then I'll just sleep better. And it backfires. So we really want them going to bed earlier. Mm. The other piece of sleep begets sleep is that before the age of three, those children who nap typically sleep better at night. After the age of three, there's kind of this gray zone that happens between three and four where if they take a nap, it's really hard for them to fall asleep. But if they don't take a nap, they're a mess. Is it important to have that quiet time, not just for mummies and daddies, but for the child to just play quietly in their room or in their crib or something in rather dim lighting in the afternoon? If they don't feel like they want to have a nap, and goodness knows I'm not tired, are the three words that 
parents of a child who can articulate, we'll hear most often, how important is it to say, okay, you're just going to have some quiet time in your room? Or is that really kind of just for us? Is there some guilt involved? There's no guilt involved. Parents need to get rid of the guilt as hard as that may be. But having rest time is really good. One, it gives everybody a break. The child, the break from the parents and the parents, a break from it, from the child. I mean, that sounds like we all don't want to be together, but I just mean, you know, to re-energize together. Um, another thing is that if your child is tired, it gives them that opportunity to take the nap that they may not have if they if they didn't head into the room and sort of take a break. Another thing is that a child being able to um, sort of self-entertain is a really important skill. Because they're going to need to be able to do that when they go to school. They need to be able to help learn how to regulate their own emotions, how to you know settle themselves down. That all of that is a skill that's developing with time. You also see that when children have that downtime, they're practicing the skills they're developing. So a nine-month-old may be just practicing pulling up to standing, and a one-and-a-half-year-old is practicing their language. All of it sounds like they're talking to somebody. Is they're practicing all those skills, and it gives them that opportunity. You mentioned pulling up to standing, and this brings us back to a situation in our own lives. And heck, you know, it's my podcast. I've got a doctor on, so I'm going to ask. Um, there's an 18-month-old in our lives, and she... Um, when she wakes up in the night, which is frequently, and that's why her mom is so interested in what we have to say here today, as I hope everyone is, and she pulls herself up to stand in the middle of the night. And of course, they're worried that she's going to, you know, Cirque du Soleil her way out onto the floor. What should a parent do in this case, doctor? So at 18 months, as long, you know, she's developing appropriately and, you know, doesn't have any developmental delays, um, an 18-month-old can get themselves down. There's no Mm -hmm. question about it. So I would let them figure that out is that they can get themselves down. We do worry about safety, of course. So a few things are we don't want them climbing out. Um, Make sure the crib mattress is at the lowest setting possible. Get rid of anything in that crib that can be a little climbing place. So, you you know, a large stuffed animal or bumpers on the crib because they'll use anything as a way to get themselves up. Another thing that is a great thing to start when they're very young is to have them sleep in a sleep sack. And a sleep sack for a baby, you know, it's um, it's almost like a pillowcase. You know, mm-hmm. Their feet are kind of contained. But in a toddler, um, their feet um, stick out at the bottom. I don't know how to quite explain it. But it's almost like a big pillowcase but with little holes at the bottom. Their feet can stick out. But one thing that's great about it is they typically can't lift their leg up high enough to climb out of the crib. Ah. Okay. So it's a little baby containment way where they can't climb up, so they're safe, um, but I would just let them work it out themselves. So for that mom of the 18-month-old, one of the things that they really need to think about is how is that child falling asleep at bedtime? If that child is falling asleep at bedtime with some help, they probably should make changes there first and then let them work it out in the middle of the night. Okay, but you can never really get rid of the worries that the child's going to climb out and land hard. You know, at 18 months, if you do those things, it's a little bit hard for them, unless it's the most, like, you know, dexterous um, baby there is. That's the word. Um, um, As they get a little bit older, you know, a lot of it is, you know, telling them, like, you know, just no climbing, you know, being really clear about the rules. But we sometimes have to get... The climbers, we lower one side of the crib so they don't get hurt. Um, It's hard. Once they start climbing, it's a tough road sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
There's a fascinating survey that I've heard you speak about where one quarter to one third of Canadians and Americans surveyed said that, yes, their child has a sleep problem. But when you look at, say, China and other Asian countries, for example, that number skyrockets to 75 percent. Why the vast disparity? It is the million-dollar question. It fascinates me because I think the answer to that question is very culturally based. What we know in what we call the predominantly Caucasian countries, so we've collected data in the U.S. and Canada and Australia and New Zealand, is that sleep predicts a parent saying there's a sleep problem, which to me sounds obvious. So if your baby wakes at night, you say there's a sleep problem. In China and Hong Kong and Taiwan, it doesn't work that way. Sleep is part of it, but there seems to be other things going on that contributes to them saying that there's a sleep problem. So it may be that there's just a much greater concern about every aspect of a child's sleep or or of a child. So they're just concerned about everything, like I'm worried about his eating and I'm worried about his, you know, his, his development and I'm worried about his sleep. But we need to start to figure that out so that we can help families to say like, no, no, really, she's fine. Or no, really, you need to do something. So sleep is different everywhere. In my clinic once, I had a family come in and um, mom was from the Philippines. Dad was from Japan. um, And they had moved here to the United States recently. And they said to me, so how much sleep should she get? And I'm like, I don't know if I should use the the norms from the Philippines, Japan, or the U.S. You know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. So one size does not fit all, and that also includes geographically. That's fascinating. But you do have, Doctor, a trio of big principles to help baby go to bed and remind us, please, why this is so important for the whole family in general and a marriage or partnership in particular. If you could just go through those big three, that would be just a wonderful way to wrap up our, our chats. The three major tips, the three things families should do to make sure that their child gets the sleep they need and the parents too. Number one is a set bedtime. We want babies going to bed and young children and older children going to bed around the same time every night. It sets that biological clock. So that's number one, set bedtime. Number two is a consistent bedtime routine. Three to four activities that are about the same every night. It's going to help a baby know it's getting, it's time to wind down. It's time to get ready for bed. And the third thing is being able to self-soothe to sleep. So being able to fall asleep independently. And what we recommend is that parents start putting their child to bed drowsy, but awake, which is a bit of a misnomer because we really want them more on the awake side than the drowsy side. And as you've mentioned in our talk, it's never too late to teach a child to self-soothe. It is never too late, whether you have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, an eight-year-old, or a 12-year-old. Well, congratulations on the success of your book. Published first in 2005, Sleeping Through the Night is now in its fourth edition. And you also helped develop a website called babysleep.com. Can you tell us about that? babysleep.com. We've had 1 million visitors to the site. We're now past that point. Um, It's a site that a group of us, the Pediatric Sleep Council, which I chair, put together um, as just a resource that's free, publicly available. There's no product on it. There's nothing. And it tells you Every question you can think about in terms of a baby's sleep, we have answers on there, what to expect at every month of age, lots of resources for families. 
Thank you so much, and for being an additional resource for us, too. We so appreciate it. Great to be on here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this in-depth four-part discussion with Dr. Jody Mendel. If you're like me, you've got about 10 people you want to share this conversation with, so feel free. Tell them to come to Drift with Aaron Davis, subscribe to the podcast, and find Catch My Drift in our special editions for our sleep community here. And thank you again for sharing this podcast with your family and friends, because if they've got kids, chances are Jody Mandel is exactly what the doctor ordered. Join me tonight for another bedtime story as we guide you to sweet dreams. And as always, it's BYOB. Bring your own blankie. Bye for now.